Take out your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. I want to dig in tonight and to look at what is wisdom. Where does it all begin? Because uh, I, I think we all could agree the, the benefits that come from wisdom. We talked about long life. We talked about ways of pleasantness and peace. That sounds great, right? Uh, a life that is more pleasant and peaceful. Uh, we talked about uh, all of these benefits that come with wisdom. That's what God's promise is. So what is it? How do we get it? Um, I'm going to read here Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Um, This this passage here uh, sets a theme for what we're going to see really through all of Proverbs. But it's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is something you search for. Wisdom is something you desire, something you need to work to find. Um, but it's also something that God is, uh, and often in Proverbs, wisdom is calling on us. God's placing it before us if we're looking for it. But with this wisdom, it's something uh, that, that we should search for as a treasure. We've got to value it. But I want to get to, okay, so what is it? Like, is it just like good advice? that God wants to say. And over and over in the book of Proverbs and other places in Scripture, there is a, a, sum, a summarizing concept, a summarizing statement, a, uh, something that if you say wisdom is or wisdom begins with, or you could call it the foundation of wisdom, like what is it? What do I need to know? It's this term here in verse number five, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Um, at the core of embracing wisdom is fearing the Lord. Uh, in this verse, uh, it, it talks about inclining your ear unto wisdom. And, and, and when you found this thing, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1.7, if you just look back, it's probably like a page over in your Bible. Proverbs 1 verse 7, it says, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge." But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm going to go through Proverbs a little bit just to, to make my point about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.29 says, for, they, uh, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So uh, we'll see these contrasting things. Sometimes it talks about wise and foolish or simple and, and the way of the wise. And this, it's... it's, it's usually saying that wisdom is equal to fearing the Lord. It's this concept, if you want to live in this blessed way, this happy life, you've got to start with, do you fear the Lord? So that's the concept we want to learn tonight. In Proverbs 2.5, it says uh, that we just read, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. In in Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way. In the froward mouth do I hate. 
In Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's always paired together, the fear of the Lord and how you get wisdom. It says, in the knowledge of the holy, or is understanding, Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. I find that interesting because last week we learned that uh, it talked about in her left hand is length of days, talking about wisdom. So in this, it says, in the fear of the Lord, it prolongeth days. They're one and the same, the fear of the Lord and God's wisdom. They, they're very, they're, if they're not one and the same, they're directly connected. They're, in the scripture, they're almost interchangeable. In Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Uh, this fear of the Lord, it's the same thing. It's promising these ways of peace. Uh, how, how do you have refuge in your life, safety? It's in the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Uh, last week, wisdom was compared to be like a tree of life. It's, they're very similar, uh, if not the same concept. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 16, better is little, like little material wealth, little uh, accumulation of things, little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Uh, there are several more verses in Proverbs that have this concept of the fear of the Lord equaling to God's wisdom or being the beginning or the foundation of wisdom. So I want to answer the question tonight, what is the fear of the Lord? This is where it starts. Um, we don't hear much about fearing God these days, do we? Uh, it used to be like uh, kind of a, an adjective, a God-fearing man or God-fearing woman. You, know, you hear about that terminology. What does it mean to fear God? Uh, it, it gives some, uh, some connotations, right? Nowadays, you talk about fear. Uh, I know growing up, we had fear factor. Uh, it's like this TV show where you're like, are you afraid of spiders being poured on you? Is it, is it like that? Is, is the Bible want us to um, be afraid of God? Is that what the fear means? I, I want to answer these questions tonight. What is the fear of the Lord? If it's not being afraid of him like fear factor, what does it mean? Here's your, uh, here's your first point in your outline. Did everybody get an outline? Raise your hand if you need one. Anybody? Are you sure? Can somebody help him get one of these outlines? All the way on the other side. Outline coming to you. All right. Everybody else have one? All right. Raise your hand if you need one. Merle's going to help get you one. We want everybody to be able to study tonight. That's what we want. All right. Point number one. What is the fear of the Lord? It is this. Believing that God exists. That's the first part of it. Believing that God exists. The fear of the Lord is definitely opposite and totally different than atheism, okay? Uh, the fear of the Lord requires that you believe, that you have faith, that there is a God. And so I ask you, do you know who God is? What he is like? Do you know what he likes? Do you know what he is not like? Do you know what he has said? Um, 
I want to just take some input from you. Um, what is it that you know about God? If you could describe God, how, what do we know about him? Loving. Huh? Loving. He's loving. Okay. What else? Oh, I am hearing him all over. Good. What did you say? Righteous. Righteous. Holy. 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 What does holy mean? You got a good definition for that one? If not, I'll explain it. I'm going to get there. Without sin, right? Uh, so it's interesting. God is so many things. He can be loving you, loving to others, loving the world, but he is holy. Like, so if you're holy and you're without sin, that means he can hate some things, right? What does he hate? Sin. He hates sin. We're going to get to that in a little bit. What else? What else do you know about God? Uh, okay, omnipotent, right? He's like, what is that? All-powerful, right? All-knowing, all-powerful. He has got the whole world in his hands, right? That's what we, It's like all this stuff. He's got everything. He's your creator. That's a good thing to know about God, right? The fear of the Lord begins. Omniscient, all-knowing, right? He's, he, he, he's uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's our friend. So the, the beginning, that's right, he's our Savior. The beginning of the fear of the Lord. You guys got all kinds of stuff. I'm going to move on from that point. You guys are awesome. All right, so <laughs> I have so much fun teaching this class. You guys are great. Uh, believe, okay, fear of the Lord is believing that God exists. You've got to understand that, that there is a God. That's the start of the fear of the Lord. That's not all of it, but that's where it starts. And he, he has some things you've got to know about him. You've got to know his qualities. And not only do you have to know about him, you have to know him personally, right? He's not only uh, the judge of all mankind. He's not only the creator, but he's also a personal savior, right? There's, God exists, and, and, and we can know him. Uh, something that uh, stands out to me, uh, if you... Uh, a great verse is Matthew 10, verse 28. It says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, it's not talking about, uh, in, in that verse, it, it definitely has some negative connotations, but it, it, there's a, a healthy respect that there is a judge of the world, Okay. They, they, you know, somebody could, could kill you, take you out if they really don't like you, but they may just kill your body. And it's pointing out that there is, there is someone, you've got to acknowledge it, you've got to believe he exists, that there is somebody that has power of hell in his hands, okay? That is, uh, that's the beginning of fearing God. You've got to believe that he exists. Uh, but but I, I want to be cautious to, to not overpoint out, and I don't know that you can overpoint out God's attributes of holiness and being a judge, uh, but I want to point out the other side that's equally true. He is merciful. Yes. He is loving. He does care for you. He's even your friend and your father. It's different, okay? It's not simply... Um, I need to be afraid or else he's bringing the hammer down on me. That's not, uh, that's not a full picture of fearing the Lord. Um, John 15 and verse 13 says to us, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends." For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And I, I love that the God that we can know and that, that we want to have his wisdom in this happy, blessed life. 
it starts with realizing we got to know who he is. We got to believe that he exists and who he is, right? Um, all of these things are true about God. Uh, we, we can know him, uh, and we need to live by that knowledge that we uh, believe that God is there. He is present, and he is who he says he is. That's point number one. But it's not enough. The fear of the Lord is not complete in saying, hey, just believe God exists. That's not, that's not the complete picture of the fear of the Lord. Point number two is this. You've got to believe. It's believing that God has a say. Let me explain that. Believing that God has a say. Uh, like a say, like I, I, you, S-A-Y, S-A-Y. Yeah, God has a say. Yeah, like he can, he can speak into your life. He can... He's got authority, right? It's one thing to be a Christian that just says, I believe God is who he says he is. It's another piece of the puzzle to say, and you know what? Because of who he is, he has a say in my life. He is the creator, and I am the creation. He is the one with all authority, and I am here to serve. You know, there, there's this belief that God has a say. And so I ask you, do you respect the authority and position of God in your life? Not only do you know, okay, yeah, God, you have this authority, but do you surrender to him to let him have that authority in your life? You follow what I'm saying? It's, it's another part of fearing the Lord. Uh, if we're going to be wise and we're going to begin with this fear of the Lord, it begins by taking into account, yes, God exists, but what he has to say now and what he's teaching, and if, and if he's holy, the things that he values, I need to value. I, I need to understand like he actually has input into the life of humans, okay? Uh, we have to live differently because of what he's teaching us. The words of God uh, have a meaning in our life. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, I, I know the Bible says I should. It's not about should. It's, it's do you believe that he is like changing you? And that if, if you're submitting yourself, if you say I'm a follower, well, that means you've got to like follow, okay? That means you actually imitate his actions and his steps and his values and uh, put them into your life. This is part of the fear of the Lord. Believing God has a say. He exists. We recognize that. We know who he is. We can get to know him. But I'm going to give him full reign and access to my life. This is the fear of the Lord. Um, God has certain ways. Uh, he talks about the ways of life that are permissible. Okay, You've got to understand that there are certain things that we do, certain decisions we make, and God says, don't do that. Like, that's just a reality of fearing the Lord. The Bible is, is clear. Like, God, God speaks into the topics of our life, and he says, this is a definite no. Like, you sh I don't want you to do that. My way, my wisdom says, don't do this thing, okay? I'm going to get into some of those specifics, but I, I want, just want to point out, God also has other ways where he says, this belief, this idea, this way of doing whatever, this is evil, Okay, you've got to realize God has a say in the way we do things, and you've got to be able to give him that say. Are you following me? The fear of the Lord says, God, I believe you exist, and you have a say in my life, and I'm going to let you have a say in my life. And uh, it's, it sounds so crazy to think that the all-powerful God, he could command us. I mean, he created us, but he gives you the ability 
out of love to, to give him the say. He lets you, he'll let you mess up your way if you want to. He'll let you go the evil way if you want to. But remember, he is the loving heavenly father. He's creator. He's the designer. He knows what's best. And he's giving you this option to live in his ways of wisdom. He's giving you this option to fear him, to fear the Lord. So I ask you, do you care about what God has to say? Do you let his words have weight in your life? Do you let them decide what you're going to say, what you're going to do, how you're going to live? Uh, a verse that really points this out in, in our ability to either reject and, and tell God, no, you don't have a say, or accept that is Romans chapter 1. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts, says that God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. And it just lets us know that God gives us free will, okay? He lets you decide not to fear him. He lets you decide to be stupid and an idiot and, uh, Man, that stinks sometimes. Like we just get to, you know, we get to choose, but those things have consequences, you know. And God has said there's a way. There's this blessed life, this happy life, ways of pleasantness, ways of peace. And if you search for it, it's my way. Get in the Word. Get searching for what God has to say and let Him have a say in your life. In Proverbs chapter 1, uh, wisdom is calling out, and it says in verse 24, Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. You have set at not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation. And it goes on just to point out that, you know what? You could ignore everything God has to say, even though you know who he is. Um, there is a book out there and it has the same concept. I think it's called The Christian Atheist. I, I remember reading that like in college and this idea that, you know, we can, we know who God is. We can even be saved, but are we really allowing his words to affect us? Are we really listening to him? Because if not, we don't have a fear of the Lord. So the first part of the fear of the Lord is believing that God exists. The second part of the fear of the Lord is this, believing that God has a say. Not, not only does he exist, but he can give you direction in life and you should listen, okay? That's how it works. He can tell you what to do and you get to tell him that, okay, I'm going to surrender to that. Or you could say, I'm sorry, God, I'm not going to let you speak into this area of my life. I'm going to be foolish. And this is, this is what we get to do and this is a... This is how it works. Here's your third point here. Uh, the fear of the Lord is practicing my beliefs by following God's ways and avoiding evil. Practicing my beliefs by following God's ways and avoiding evil. Belief and acknowledgement are not enough. Okay? 
if you believe that God is and you believe, yeah, he has a say in my life, there's a follow-through with that comes with that. There's a, there's a practice. There's an there's a application. If you truly want to live the happy and blessed life, the fear of the Lord means that you decide to allow God's existence and God's ways to affect your every decision. Uh, you are open to that. You say, I, I know who God is now. I'm learning who God is. I'm getting to know him personally. He has some things to say. And so I'm going to practice what I believe and follow those ways. I'm going to avoid evil. Um, it means you start asking some new questions, okay? Uh, you ask questions like, God, what do you want me to do? And all through school, I just remember in high school, uh, even growing up, you know, they're like, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? You ever been asked that question? What does God want you to be when you grow up? Like, that's a good question too, right? What does God want you to do in your life? What, what, is, what does God want you to do? Um, when Saul uh, got saved and he, uh, on the road to Damascus, he got saved and there was a question he asked. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's like this clear first question he asked God. And that's, um, that's a great sign of a Christian, somebody that's actually following, to say to God, God, what do you want me to do? To begin asking God, in this situation in my life, in my marriage, in my finances, in my, you insert whatever you're dealing with, what is the wise thing to do? What, what does God have to say about it? Um, I, I love that our church has an emphasis on, uh, you know, the Bible and sharing what God has to say. And we often ask the question, what does the Bible say? Like, that's the question. That's the question to ask. Um, we, we read in Proverbs chapter 2, it said, um, verse number five, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. And we know that God is, is giving us his knowledge, giving us his word, giving us his opinion about things through his word. And so we listen. We ask questions like, God, what do you want me to do? What does the Bible say about this? Um, this morning, I, uh, I was reading in Job. Uh, my wife and I started this uh, Bible reading plan. Um, I like starting Bible reading plans at the beginning of the year. It's like, all right, fresh start. I don't like them because I've won too many times, like got overzealous and like failed miserably on these Bible reading plans. Like you get to like day 16 and you're like, all right, I'm doing great. And then you like miss it for some reason. Something's happened. And then you miss day 17. And you're like, oh, I've already, I'm behind two days. So you try to catch up like 15 chapters and you're really far behind. That's a lot of pressure. But anyway, we're on day, whatever this is, we're doing all right so far. Okay. And today it was so interesting. Uh, this is in the book of Job, Job 28, 28. In the book of Job, which was written, craziest thing. I, I looked into this. Uh, it's uh, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 years before Proverbs. These Proverbs were recorded, okay? Listen to this. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Job 28, 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. And I read that this morning. I was like, that's my lesson tonight. What's happening? This is great. And it is so clear. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. 
I just want to give you permission to get back to living in a way where you believe that good and evil exist, okay? Good and evil. This is concept. This is, this is God's ways are good. There are ways that he says not to live, and those are evil, okay? Good and evil exist. There are things that it is okay to say they're evil if God says they're evil. Um, we must be willing to understand that uh, what God says is evil and choose to avoid it. And it's tough because we live in this world where evil things, according to God, are called good, right? So messed up. It doesn't make any sense, and it's confusing. And if you are being good by following God's ways, and you're actually living in a wise way, fearing the Lord, and you call evil evil, you get called evil. It's like, I'm not evil. I'm following God's ways. And this is a tough stance for the Christian, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, to, to depart from evil is understanding. Uh, they go hand in hand. If you're going to fear the Lord, you will depart from evil. In Isaiah 5.20, the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Woe, in case you're wondering, is like not a good thing. Woe is like God's judgment. It's like, you know, it's kind of like our woe, because we're like, whoa, this is not good. But it's a different word. It's like, woe, like they, they have a terrible consequences coming in their life. Those that call evil good and good evil. It says that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We just need to be realizing as Christians, if you're, if you're following God and you say, I want, to, I want to be wise, I want to fear the Lord, that is going to require us to understand what is evil and what is not evil, right? We're going to have to have some discernment. Uh, that's Isaiah 5.20, that verse. Um, in 2 Timothy 3, um, maybe you've heard this verse before, but it describes, really today, it describes people in the last days. It says, this know also that in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, it's like pride, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. God is clear that his followers, those that walk in wisdom, those that are believers, however you want to word it, depart from evil. We have a different way to live, and it is okay to recognize that. Um, you will probably, if you try to fear the Lord in your life, and you actually live this out, you will be criticized by people. Your family will think you're crazy. What do you mean you don't go to these places? What do you mean you don't watch this thing? See, it affects all of us. If we, all parts of our life, if we fear the Lord, it's all-encompassing. Um, wisdom is fearing God. Fearing God is following His way and avoiding evil. Um, 
I intentionally did not just make a list of evil things for you. That would be easy for you, all right? Uh, I could like write out a list of 100 top evil things you could avoid. Um, would that be a cool list? Probably. Just go ask ChatGPT to do it, and uh, I don't have to. But that's not what the Bible is telling you to do, to make a list of evil things. What you need to do, as it says, is go searching for treasure. To go, read for yourself, and discover what God says about life. Then make a choice to follow what you discover. You're, you're going to go in and you're going to read in Corinthians, and um, you're going to read really clearly. What? You're not supposed to sleep with your mother-in-law? Like, that's what you're going to do. In Corinthians, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is. Well, then you need to realize God has an opinion about that behavior. This is like, the Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's how it works. Yeah, Mike's shaking his head like, why do you use that illustration? Is that why you're shaking your head? Oh, okay. I, I'm self-conscious. Okay. Uh, listen, uh, you know what? We, we read in all, all of these passages, and what happens is we're believing something we were taught as a kid. Or maybe we become accustomed to being okay with a certain sin, something God calls evil. And when we read, the Holy Spirit is teaching us, and God says, He's like telling you, you're wrong. I'm wrong. We, we learn that my ways don't line up with God's ways. And that's the point where we can answer wisdom or not, where we can, like, like He said, turn at my reproof. You can say, okay, I'm going to get with the program here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand what God's saying. I'm going to live that way. Or you can say, that seems a little old school to me. Uh, I don't know that, well, I heard on the news that, you know, that's not how it works. Um, we, we have a value on our church website. It talks about how we're a truth-sharing family. It says um, that we hold the Bible above culture, tradition, and opinions. I, I love that yes, statement. Um, because it's not, you shouldn't be asking the question, what does mom have to say about this? Because mom is a sinner. And wisdom doesn't come from the fear of mom, though moms can be scary. <laughs> wisdom comes from fearing God, okay? So even though mom might say something, You've got to understand what does God say is most important. Does that make sense? Um, so you ask yourself these things. You go searching for God's truth and his treasure. What does God say about sex, gender, marriage? You need to dig in God's word and figure that out. And you need to be, if you're going to fear the Lord, then that means you're going to depart from evil. You're going to follow his way. You're, you're going to recognize he's the authority. He's the designer. Who created them, male and female? Anyway, God did, right? You're like, oh, that's... Yeah, anyway. Um, you ever... ever anyway. It's gonna, oh, man, I just really... Self-control, self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit, okay? Uh, <laughs> what does God say about the content we consume? Does he say anything about the content we consume? He does. And you say, like, does, does the Bible really talk about Facebook? Does the Bible really talk about social media or, or Netflix or Hulu or TV shows I like to watch? Yes, it does. There's a lot of it in Proverbs, actually, a lot of it. What does God have to say about addictions we continue in or substances we allow to control us? 
Does he say anything about that? Yes, he does. And we have to be willing to face the truth and realize it's coming from a loving, heavenly Father who's also holy. He's also the judge. I mean, you've got to understand who he is. He's got to say, and he's merciful too. That's right. What does God say about our bodies? What does God say about money and how we interact with it? My challenge to you is not to wait for a pastor to preach on it or somebody to give you a list, but to look it up and figure out and practice your belief about God by following in his ways. This step, uh, it's described many ways in the Bible. Some may call it obedience. We need to obey, trust and obey. We've got to obey what God has to say, right? Then there is that side of obedience. We should listen. If God's an authority, you know, we're, we're so rebellious in our hearts sometimes, uh, oftentimes, that we're like, we don't want to do something that somebody's telling us to do, even if it's God and we know it's best for us. We don't want to. Uh, but, but it is obedience. Uh, some would call it faith. Faith is understanding what God says. And if God says the blessed life comes from the fear of the Lord and, and uh, that it, it brings length of days, you know, we're going to have a longer life. If it's going to bring peace to our household, if it's going to bring all these benefits, well, I'm going to trust that he's saying what's right. You know, that's faith. It's believing what he says. Uh, it, it's, it's also this trust in God. It, you could trust God as a heavenly father. You know, not all of us had perfect fathers. Uh, you can recount uh, you know, a lot of times you form what you think about God by what you learned how to respond to your father. God is not like your father. God is different than your father. Uh, some of us thank God for that. I think we all thank God for that. But the idea is that um, if you had a great dad and he, uh, he exuded qualities that are like God, that's awesome that you learned that at a young age. But you got to realize God is your father and you can trust him. He, he is good to you. And uh, he is merciful, but he'll also tell you the truth. He, he also doesn't want to leave you in your sin. He'll also chastise you, right? He's like, it's like spankings for, for Christians, okay? That's, that's, that'd be a weird uh, topic to teach on, but that's a thing, you know? It's like maybe something is happening because God's trying to get you back to where you need to be, right? Um, so figure out what God says. Follow his ways. Avoid evil. So can we define the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord. What is it? Um, the fear of the Lord is something that is so misunderstood. It's something that we can misunderstand. I just want to wrap this up by, I don't want, I don't want you to be confused that it's something like you're supposed to tremble and have this, uh, be terrified of God. Though there is an element of understanding there's even verses that talk about the terror of the Lord. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, it says, we persuade men. You talk about missions. Understanding that God says he created hell for the devil and his angels, but people that don't accept his gift of salvation will go there. Like, that's a terrible thing, and that's a true thing. So we tell people, like, that's, this is true. That's part of the fear of the Lord. But there's a, a, a deeper meaning. It's, it's more than fear and dread. It's also reverence and awe. It's submission and obedience. It's, it's also based upon your relationship. It's a, it's a reverence um, maybe like you would give to somebody in your life you look up to, except it's the extreme example. It, but it's, it's a father. It's a, a friend. It's, it's different than just, I'm afraid of you because you're going to lay the smack down on me. You know, it's, that's not what it's about. It it's, might be part of it. I think that's a lot of it. Hey, I'm going to 
behave myself because, you know what, God's going to chastise me. You know? That's a real thing about the fear of God, but that's not the full picture. God's also a friend and a father and merciful. And I want you to get that full picture. It also is practical. It's departing from evil. Uh, so in a short definition, the fear of the Lord is a healthy reverence and respect for God. Um, has anyone ever stood before the Grand Canyon? Yes. I bring up this illustration. illustration. I think it's funny because um, Bryce actually brought this up on Sunday. He's talking about the Grand Canyon. And it reminded me of a, a time I went there. Uh, I saw the Grand Canyon. I was interning at a church in Las Vegas, okay? Sin City. They have churches out there, uh, believe it or not. And Vegas, like the Strip, is just like a little part of Vegas, but Las Vegas is huge. It's a big city. And um, anyway, uh, we had a day off with this group of, we called them summer missionaries. That's what I was part of this team. And we went to the Grand Canyon. And let me just say that most of the group at the Grand Canyon, I like them a lot, okay? Most of them. Um, there was one guy in particular. Let me tell you this story, and then I'll, I'll make a point. Um, this guy, we get this grand idea. We're like, Grand Canyon. You walk up, and when you see the Grand Canyon, it's amazing. It's a lot bigger than it looks. Have anyone ever flown over the Grand Canyon, like on a plane? It, it's big, but it doesn't look that big from up above. I mean, it is big. It just uh, looks like a map or something. But uh, when you're there, it is like the biggest, most, it's amazing. It's this huge thing. It's so big. Well, with that, how do you start feeling when you go near the edge of the Grand Canyon? You know you're going to die. Are you afraid? Yes. Do you think that's a good thing? Yes. All right. So check this out. We get this grand idea, and we're like at the Grand Canyon, and uh, we're going to get down like on our hands and knees and on our stomachs. And we inch our way up. Wherever we were at, there was no railing. What is going on? They got to put railings up. So we wanted to like lay down on our stomachs and look over the edge of the Grand Canyon. Stupid, stupid college students, okay? But everybody was doing it, okay? That's wise. Look that one up in Proverbs too. Um, but anyway, we get up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and this guy that I really don't like, he did something that made me like him a lot less. Um, he got behind me and pretended and he grabbed my legs and picked them up while I'm at the edge of the Grand Canyon. <sighs> All right, so since then, I've learned there's a verse in Proverbs, or not in Proverbs, it's like a proverb, but it's in Romans. And it talks about, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. I hit my limit. Uh, at that point in time, I was so, I, I was already terrified I was at the Grand Canyon, and this guy was a complete idiot. What a moron. And um, he might listen to this, and I hope he learned his lesson. You know, being a moron doesn't get you friends. But anyway, I like kind of lost it on this guy, yelled at him like, you're so stupid, why would you do this? Like, we're at the Grand Canyon, don't you see? What I'm trying to say is, put a smack down on <laughs> no, I... Well, I wanted to <laughs> over the edge, but I didn't do that. That's why I'm still here today. I still have freedom, okay? Um, but the fear of the Lord is like standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, okay? Uh, it's this overwhelming sense of wonder. 
you have this reverence because you're like at the edge of the Grand Canyon. Like, how many stories have you heard about people falling in the Grand Canyon? You don't want to do that. They actually, in the gift shop, I know they have books about people falling in the, like, you don't. Really? Yes. You don't want to go <laughs> to the Grand Canyon and get close to the edge and have somebody do this with your feet. Let me wrap this up and we'll be done. So the fear of the Lord, it's like being at the edge of the Grand Canyon. It, it, it's, it's not entirely about being scared of God, but realizing his greatness, realizing his wisdom. It's this deep respect. And there is an element of, he is not messing around. He is God in heaven. But there's also a relationship part of it. It's trust. Yeah, it is trust. It's God is my father. I want to maintain this relationship with God. And so I fear him. I willingly believe who he says he is. I search in his word and find out what he wants me to do. And I apply it to my life. The things he says to avoid, I mark them as evil and I avoid them. That's the fear of the Lord. That's, that's the picture. And that is where, that's, that's where wisdom begins. That is a pretty good understanding of, of how you get wisdom. There is a verse that uh, I have used, cling to. I think most of you, if you've been in church for any length of time, are like, this is my happy verse. And it's like, we all have the same one. Um, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. And... Uh, you know, if you're, if you're new and you might not know this, I want to tell you about these verses. These verses will change your life, okay? Uh, let me read them. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Really, the whole, this whole chapter is amazing, but 5 and 6 in particular. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When you don't know what God wants you to do, when you don't know, I don't know, what you don't know, listen to this verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You've got to understand that God knows. God goes before you. God wants what's best for you. Like, God is a good God, right? We, we, it's, it's, this is a great verse to highlight these things we know about God personally. Like, God is great. God is good. He loved me so much. He sent his son to die for me. Like, God has my best interest in mind. It says, trust him. Put your confidence in him with all your heart. There's no room for, like, wavering there. Put your confidence in him. It's like, uh, like you're hedging a bet. It's like I'm, I, all the chips I have, I'm not holding any back. I got all of them, and I'm saying, God, I trust you. Yeah, I was in Vegas for, for 10 weeks. No, <laughs> we didn't go to the casino. Um, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. This is the idea like, when you start to trust God and you say, God, I'm going to do this your way. I don't quite get it, but I trust you. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. You start to like doubt yourself. God says, trust, but lean not unto your own understanding. Like 
And there's verses about that. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's like, hey, uh, your heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, that's why Disney says, follow your heart. That's bad advice. That's not, that's not God's advice, right? He's like, no, 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 your heart can lie to you. Your heart will trick you. Your heart will convince you that a bad way is a good way. Like, don't do that. Trust God. Don't rely on what you're thinking and understanding. Don't do it. Verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Man, in my mornings acknowledge him. In my finances acknowledge him. I'm, uh, everything, in my work I acknowledge him. God, what do you want? You're acknowledging him. You're saying, God, I, I know you that you're there. I hear what you want. I, you're acknowledging him in everything. And here's the promise. He shall. Shall is like uh, one of those promise words. It's like, uh, it's going to happen. It's a confident word. It's, it's not like he might. It's different than might. It's not he may do it. He shall direct thy paths. And uh, you, you want direction? That's it. You, you take all your trust. You say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to do it my way. My way is going to confuse me and mess me up. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to start realizing, God, I'm acknowledging all my ways. And, I'm gonna, and he's going to direct your path. And uh, that verse has helped me in a lot of times. Um, uh, just, just so many ways. Uh, so many decisions. That is a great, happy verse.